Well, hey there, everyone. Today, I have a treat for you on the podcast today. Kristen Burney is my guest, and we are going to dive into her experience and all the wisdom that she has to share with you. But first, Kristen, welcome. And I would love for you to introduce yourself to the listeners and sort of give them your little rundown of your backstory and how you got started and what you do. Hey guys. Yeah, sure. My name is Kristen and I am a business coach for female entrepreneurs. I love my mamapreneurs. We love to talk about like balancing all of the stuff that everyone has to do 24 <laughs> seven. <laughs> I have a Facebook community and I also have a monthly membership program. That's great. And what do you work with them on in those? So usually when I'm doing the monthly membership, we talk a lot about time management and how to kind of get everybody synchronized in harmony as far as like your to-do list and your mental state and your self-care and everything that goes into, you know, a peaceful life, trying to do it, do it all and just balance everything the best that you can. You know, that's what it's all about. I feel like so many people listen, you can educate yourself so much and just like hear what everyone has to say all the time, all their opinions, but it really boils down to what works best for you. You know, not everybody works on the same level. So I love to get to the root of like what it is that makes you ultimately happy in your life. So it spills out, you know, into your business. Totally. And I love that because I agree so much that it doesn't look the same for everybody. And especially for women and women that have families, I think that what that ideal business looks like can be really dramatically different. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because it can even your business can start one way and turn into other things. And, you know, when you're trying to raise kids and keep your husband happy and do all of those things, it's very hard to kind of chip away at it one thing at a time. To, you know, and you also forget ultimately why you started your business or what it is that makes you happy with it. You start to lose sight of that. Yeah. So how did you get started doing what you're doing? What was your sort of background or where did you start with that? So I actually started, I was a hairdresser for 20 years before I had kids, almost 20 years. I say 20, 18, 18 years. And then I got pregnant and I decided that I did not want to slave work anymore. It was a lot. Being a hairdresser was a lot. I was very, very busy. I had salons. I ultimately ended up having a salon in my house and still was working from home, but I still didn't want to, you know, split my time between being totally away from my kids or being with them. Like that was still the way that it worked out. So um, we picked up and moved from South Florida to Atlanta because it was, you know, a cheaper lifestyle there. South Florida is very high priced to live there. And if I wasn't going to be, you know, making my six figure salary like I was, we needed to make some changes. So we decided to move out of state and stay home with the kids. And I got bored very quickly and you know, <laughs> did what most moms do. And I started an Etsy shop. And I had no idea what I was doing. I just started the Etsy shop. And one thing kind of led to another. And I ended up making such amazing connections and you know, building such a great community of women that we started you know, kind of collaborating together and working together. And that's just kind of how my coaching business kind of blossomed from there, really. 
cool. I love that really organic way that that came about. And I think what you said is so true about not really knowing what it looks like at the beginning. I know for me that it was very much the same, like what I started with my business seven years ago, it looks dramatically different than what it is today. And I never would have been able to lay out that piece by piece, like this is where I want to go and end up in that the place that I am now. Like it was a very um, up and down, back and forth path (laughs) that changed a lot in my seasons of life. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. And that's so normal, you know? And I feel like if you've got that diehard, like entrepreneurial spirit, just because you have kids, and like you said, exactly, that's it. Seasons of life, you know, you just grow with it. You can really make your business work for you instead of you working for your business all the time, you know? Yes, totally. So do you still run your Etsy shop? So I do. I have three Etsy shops, actually. And all three are are very busy shops. I hired someone to actually do um, my maker business. So that's nice. I don't have to actually do the labor anymore. And yeah, so I do. I still have those shops. Can you talk to me about that hiring somebody in that business? Because that's a big leap of faith for you to sort of step out of the actual making of the products and be more like the CEO type of the business. Yeah, fully. Well, that's everything. And I think once you really sit down and realize like and reflect on your business and think, you know, what is it that I'm not liking about it, but I still want to bring in, you know, the cash money. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And it really boils down to, you know, am I going to want to do this and lose my time? Or am I going to want to do this and spend money? So basically, I'm like buying myself an extra 20 hours a week by hiring someone to do that. You know what I mean? That's the way that I kind of look at it. Right. Totally. Does that person come to your house and work out of your house? Honestly, I think this is the thing. Everybody overthinks it. (laughs) It really doesn't have to be that difficult. You can legitimately start out by asking like at your local church or posting in a Facebook group or just find, especially for makers, it's great because if you find someone that's local and you know, you vibe with them, you get along with them really well, you're on the same level. They, you have to be clear and let them know exactly what it is and teach them everything that they need to know. And delegate properly. Yeah, I basically just hired someone. I told her we started out 10 to 15 hours a week. And so far, it's working out great. I've had her for about six months now. And she's awesome. I love her. And I found her on there's an app called Nextdoor. Mm -hmm. And I found her on there. And so far, it's worked out really well. And it really kind of depends on you know what you want to do and how you want to start out. But The way I look at it is it's always easier to find something that you're not liking doing anymore. And it's easier to pay somebody to have them do it than it is to be miserable and thinking about what you could be doing with your kids and your husband if you weren't home, you know, on your floor painting doormats all day. (laughs) I have had many of those same thoughts and... I think that's really great advice because I have a lot of students and people in my community that ask me or that 
I would say there's like an equal balance between people who are afraid of starting on Etsy and failing, and then people who are afraid of starting on Etsy and being too successful and giving up that freedom or giving up that time. And it's always really interesting to me to have both sides of that equation that are equally as worried about what this is going to mean for their lives. But what I always tell people, and I think is so true, is that there's a lot of steps between getting started on Etsy and beginning this business and being so overwhelmed that you're like going to throw in the towel and quit it all. And you have a lot of points where you can pivot and make that change. And it doesn't happen overnight for most people. Like you don't start your Etsy shop and then a month later, you're just so slammed with sales that you can't handle it anymore. So you have a lot of moments along the way where you can say, is this really working for me anymore? And if not, how can I make that change while still maintaining the business. You know, you didn't close up your shop just because you're tired of doing it. You found a way to make it work in a different season of your life. A hundred percent. Oh my gosh. I love that so much because I often joke, like my husband and I were talking about it the other day, we're at Walmart and there was a guy that was walking by and he was with his, his son And he said to his son, you know, I really want to start working out, but I don't want to get to be like one of those big muscly guys. Pounds overweight. Right, right. And you're like, my husband and I go, isn't it funny how people they'll just think of any excuse to talk themselves out of just doing something? You know what I mean? And it's like he was going to go to the gym one day and all of a sudden wake up and be that like big muscle head that he like does not want to be. Yeah, I think that's such a good point. Because it's like people forget that there's in both business and in working now, like there's like years in between those two things, like the starting point and the point where you're like, maybe this isn't really where I wanted to end up. And I do think though, that a a lot of times that's going to look different. It's going to look different for different people. And it's going to look different depending on where you are in your life and what's going on. And so just the ability to step back and be willing to make it look different for you is a huge benefit. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so true. You know, you just have to self-reflect and that's something else that um, we talk about a lot in the membership is like learning how to just sit and be with yourself and hear what makes you happy and what doesn't make you happy and start to eliminate what it is that isn't making you happy by just making small changes every day in your life and your habits. And yeah, that's where the goodness is. That's where the answers are. <laughs> yeah. And it's also being able, I think, to drown out the noise that you hear from, I think maybe this is just me, <laughs> but I doubt that it's just me. So I'm going to say it anyway. But like, I think that it's hard to drown out the noise that you hear, especially online of like, it needs to be bigger and bigger and more money and more sales. And, you know, you need to hit six figures and seven figures and whatever. And you're sitting there thinking, at least for me, I sit there and think like, do I want to run a multi six figure business? I mean, sure, if my life doesn't change at all, right. but there's only a, a point that I'm willing to give up to make that happen and t- to sit in that and be okay with maybe I'm not ever going to be that person that has this empire business that, you know, with 50 employees, because that's not really my life. And that's not really where I'm going or where I want to go. Right, right. Well, too, it's also you have to think about just the timing in your life right now. Like, would you be able to handle that right now? No way. Yeah, no, for sure. No. (laughs) That's why God, the universe, whatever, anything that you're trying to work towards, it's, 
not given to you instantaneously because you wouldn't be able to handle that right now. I know I wouldn't, you know, right. That's why you know, to take it every day, just day by day and check in with yourself and make sure that everything's still going the way it should, you know? Yeah. And I think that that's one of the best parts of building an online business is that it can change with you. Like, I know that I think I've talked about this before on the podcast. But when I started my Etsy shop, I had, I was actually pregnant with my second child. And my goal in the shop was to build it to be like a full-time job or a full-time income by the time she started kindergarten. So I was giving myself like a five or six year window of wanting to put the pieces in place so that that could happen. Mm -hmm. But knowing that going full-time while I had very, very young children, it actually wasn't really my original goal. It did end up happening, but that's not what I set out to do. But what I set out to do was just to put those pieces in place. And then when I had my third baby, it was the same thing. Like, I just want to take a step back, have it be a little bit slower right now, pick back up, you know, six months or a year from now when she's a little bit older. So it can ebb and flow sort of depending on what else is going on. And I feel like that's not really true for brick and mortar businesses in the same way that it is for online businesses. Yeah, it definitely, you definitely have an old ball and chain when you have a brick and mortar. And I have a lot. (laughs) It's true, though. I mean, and that's I've worked both sides of it. And you know, that's coming from, I have um, lots of clients that are brick and mortars too. And, you know, being the hairdresser, my husband owned, his family owned a martial arts retail store for like almost 40 years. Okay. Oh, wow. Talk about brick and mortar ball and chain. It was just, (laughs) and you know, then this was way before the internet and you know, stuff, no one's going into a retail store to buy martial arts equipment anymore. So it was like, getting them to, you know, transition from that to the online space. And there's a lot that goes into it. But when your business and your audience grows via social media, you know, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is that you're starting to get your audience, you start to show up in their emails, in their email boxes, you know, and all these different ways that you connect with them, it makes it so much easier for the transition you have you have so much freedom in, on the online world you know i mean i started my instagram account strictly selling products and i grew this audience and this following and it wasn't even like a thing i just started switching you know that's what a lot of people go back and forth like should i switch it or should i keep it my product based business you know like a lot of people have a hard time deciding that and it, the truth is, you you really do have so you have all the freedom that you want to do, and the people that don't follow you, they won't. And if they stay with you, then you know they're hardcore fans. That's awesome. So, talk to me about how you use Instagram to grow your business and what that has done for your business. Yes, Instagram is my favorite social media platform. I actually started going the Follower to Fan Society. Are you familiar uh-huh. with Tyler McCall? I am, but you can, um, I don't know that the listeners would necessarily be. Yeah, well, he's, um, I came across him through Instagram and he has a monthly membership for online entrepreneurs teaching you how to use Instagram to actually make money and not worry about your followers. And he's amazing. I love his program. It's, it's awesome. So once I joined his program, I noticed like Instagram was very natural for me. Facebook gives me anxiety. I can't explain it. I think it's like a lot of people feel that way. You know, I feel like it's a lot more family sort of things that I have. That's just kind of the way that my Facebook had evolved. So I put a lot of my energy into 
my Instagram account. And it made a huge difference in my sales. And I actually started doing live markets on Instagram. I had a craft show that got rained out and I worked so hard for all this inventory. It was my very first craft show ever with my business. It got rained out, so it got canceled and I had all this inventory left over. So I went live on Instagram and I just kind of announced it like three days before. And I went live. I set up the craft show in my house and told everyone to come. And I ended up making, I think it was $1,000. I don't have it right in front of me. I can't remember my statistics. (laughs) That's terrible. But I made like $1,000 in 45 minutes. Oh, no, it was 600. The second time I did it was 1,000. And 45 minutes live on Instagram. It was crazy. Wow, that is crazy. When was this that you were doing it? Or do you still do the live markets on Instagram? I haven't done a live market on Instagram in a while only because I don't use Instagram for my maker business anymore. It's now my coaching business. But I do still talk about my maker business on it. I don't just don't use Instagram to drive traffic to my Etsy shops anymore, because they're more self running. Mm -hmm. So I don't necessarily do live markets anymore, but I teach others how to do that. So I did launch a course last October. It teaches you basically like all of the things that I had to learn the hard way on how to have a successful live market on Instagram. And it's great because, you know, those followers that you have on Instagram, they already show interest in what you're doing by following you, right? Like when you have a craft show or when you set up at a craft show, which are great, you know, it's great to go out and meet people and have that buzz and excitement. It's awesome. But, you know, there are plenty of flopped craft shows, you know, so this kind of you show it to your ideal audience automatically, you don't have to hope that they're going to be there. They're already there for you. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's really great. Because I also have had the same sort of hangups with doing live events is that unless you've gone for at least a year or two to prior events and not being not actually like selling there, but just checking them out, you really don't know what kind of buyer market they're going to bring to the show. Like it could be completely mismatched with who you're trying to appeal to or who your brand appeals to, you know, and you sell like snarky doormats and it's like 80 year old women that come to this show. (laughs) And then all of a sudden you're like, well, this was not so great. I wish I would have known this ahead of time. But at least with your Instagram account, you sort of have an idea of who's there and they already know you, they already know who you are. So if they're not interested, then they're not going to be there. Exactly. And not only that, too, that is definitely, you know, a huge part of the problem of craft shows. But also, it's like, you don't know how many other vendors are going to be there that are also selling what you're selling. And it makes it really difficult. It's a lot of work for not a lot of financial return. Right. You know, often, I can't say all the time, there are definitely events. And like I said, I feel like they're still good to do. But this is a great thing to be able to do like in between, you know, during slow season or if a craft show that you signed up for didn't go as planned and you had all this inventory left over and you've got, you know, I mean, when I had my first live market, I had less than a thousand followers. I didn't have a crazy amount of followers by any means, but they were all, they all liked my stuff. They all thought it was funny and, you know, I had good engagement and yeah, it was just It changed my business in a lot of ways because it it also allowed me to meet other makers, you know, by teaching them how to do this, meeting other makers that are, you know, struggling with the same sort of things that all of us do when we're trying to grow an Etsy shop and raise a family and, you know, make money and all those things. 
Right. So when you were doing the live markets, like how frequently did you do them? Or did you do them like on a whim? Or did you let people know ahead of time? Were they like flash sales? Like how did you structure them? That is a good question because there are a few different ways that you can do it. But I am a huge advocate for planning. (laughs) That's just the way that I like live my life. I can't, you know, I feel like everything at least needs to have a few days. You don't have to be spontaneous. Mm -hmm. and, And, you know, I mean, you don't have to be like months in advance because, you know, Instagram is more instant gratification types too, right? Like if you plan right. it too far ahead, no one's going to remember, but you don't also don't want to spring it on them. So I did them. I always um, suggest seasonally, especially for makers, you know, usually your products change seasonally and that you want to make sure that you're keeping things interesting and having different products because you are going to be talking to usually the same audience each time you have your live market. So you keep things interesting for them and make it fun and interactive. And yeah, it's a really good time. And it just, you know, really allows you to meet your Instagram followers and your fans. And it gains like a new trust for yourself through these people, if that makes sense. I don't know if I said that properly. (laughs) Yeah, I think it is so nice when you have those opportunities to just engage with people in that way where you're not just feeling like you're like yelling into the atmosphere. And, you know, there's a lot of people, I think, especially people that are newer to promoting their stuff online or or newer to sales or newer to social media or whatever that feel like nobody's really interested and people are going to be annoyed at what I'm posting and whatever. And this allows you to, to get that feedback. Like people do care what you're making and they are interested. You're not bothering them. Yeah. Oh, totally. And especially if you, you know, people love to see the face behind the brand, especially when it comes to handmade sellers. Like, I feel like that's huge. You know, it's such an important part of Instagram, really more in particular. But, you know, you do want to bring in your people into your life and show them what it is that you do, how hard you work. And, you know, it's, it's a good thing to share. So, yeah. So how many people when you would do these, like how many people came live? Did you incentivize them to come live or... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, you definitely want to put lots of specials out there. I would even do free shipping. I almost say free shipping is mandatory because nobody likes to pay shipping. And if you can afford it, you know, but like my doormats, I couldn't afford to do free shipping because I was already discounting it. But people, they understand. And yeah, you just give them incentive for showing up for the live and um, make it fun. Like I said, make it fun and interactive, make it like a little party and I do have actually a free download. I could probably send that to you. Maybe you can link it or something. It's called the Instagram Live Market Roadmap. And it's basically just like step-by-steps on generally how to plan it. Because it is, there is, you know, there's lots of things that you wouldn't think about that would drive traffic or, you know, to not only to your website, but also to your live market. But Also, it's an opportunity for you to start growing your email addresses and, you know, starting to get into their inbox where the the money making is, you know. So would you say that this is something that newer sellers should attempt? Or would you normally say, like, what are kind of the minimum standards of somebody that should look into doing this or think about doing it for a new seller or somebody that has an Instagram that really doesn't have very many followers? Like, what should they be doing? to move forward. Um, No, that's a great question. Because I do have a lot of people that are always nobody ever feels ready. 
And that kind of goes back to what we were saying early in our conversation where it's like, you know what, you're never going to feel ready. Sometimes you just got to do it. You know what I mean? But you know, that being said, if honestly, I always say the size of your following does not matter. If you have decent engagement, if you feel like you have people that are, you know, interested in your stuff that are DMing you regularly that are, um, you know, you get likes and comments, just engagement, then you're ready. You're better off having 100 followers that are hardcore, like diehard Warren fans than having 7,000, you know, that don't care what you're saying. So that's really what it boils down to. And just get people excited about it. Start talking about what you're doing behind the scenes, you know, start letting people more into your life so that you can start growing and an authentic and, you know, genuine following of, of people. And, you know, I always say that the best way to start if you are feeling a little insecure about, you know, your following or you're nervous about putting yourself out there in that way, and no one's going to respond, just start by reaching out to people first, engage with people, like watch their stories and comment back and, and just find people that you would think that would be into your stuff and just start genuine conversation. That's how to get the ball rolling with that. You know, interestingly enough, though, I've been tossing around the idea. I have a business coach that I meet with once a week, and we are tossing around the idea of maybe making like a mini course or something like an intro for people that don't use Instagram often that want to build their following, you know, to do the live market. So that's definitely something that I'm going to be tossing around for, for a minute. I need to let things settle. You know, we're always thinking of like the new thing to do. (laughs) Right. Do you have any advice like for those people who say, you know, I have 50 followers online or on Instagram and they're like my mom and my friends from home that are (laughs) maybe not necessarily my ideal customer, but they're just random people that follow me. Like, how do they begin to grow that following and how do they begin to grow that engagement? It gets really discouraging, I think, for people when they are on Instagram and they feel like they're posting, but they're not getting any kind of feedback from people. Yeah, totally. I I hear that a lot. And I was there for a very, very long time too. Usually I say to start, be consistent. Don't just like show up for two days and then disappear for six months and then pop back up again and be like, hey, remember me? Um, You have to be consistent so that you're showing up in their feed a lot. Do stories. Stories are the most important thing with Instagram right now. It's even more so than the feed. People will just binge watch stories. So even if you're just, you know, doing two to three stories a week and maybe one post a week, like you don't have to commit to like this diehard seven times a day type of thing, but just show up consistent. Look at your schedule. Try to find something that that works for you, that feels good for you, two or three times a week, once a week, whatever. And just make sure that your content that you're posting is um, providing some sort of value to your people. You don't constantly just want to be selling your products or have your feed be just of your products and none of your pretty face or anything like that. You want to make sure that you're letting them in, maybe teaching them one thing. You can you know, go behind the scenes just kind of switch things up a little bit, but always think of the questions when you're posting of like, what do you want them to know? And why do you want them to know it? Like, don't just brand and be like, you know, I see all the time makers feeds where they're just like, you know, Hey, flash sale 20% off. And they don't understand why they're not 
you know, getting <laughs> getting any sales via just this platform. So yeah, you know, you just make it more personal and valuable to your followers. Make them want to see your posts. Make them want to see your stories and look forward to like a laugh or, you know, something that shows them more of you. I think that's really great advice. And I would also add that in showing them more of your life to really remember to keep in mind, like, how does it serve them? How does it answer a question for them or provide even just like a commiseration or like something that they can identify in their own lives? Because I also see people online on sort of the opposite end of the spectrum where they'll post like product photo, product photo, product photo, and then like a random picture of their kids. And I'm like, I don't even yeah. know you. And like, you're just supposed to, you know, like you think your kids are cute. Your kids are cute. My kids are cute. Everybody's kids are cute. But like, it doesn't add, you know, there's no like catchy caption or anything that like adds anything to my life. It's just a random picture of their kids. Yeah, 100%. And then the, your followers are looking like, who, wait, who is this now? Whose kids are those? Right. You know? I mean, unless we're used to seeing, you know, that's another great thing about stories is that's a great place for stories. You know, stories is the best for backstage, behind the scenes, you know, that kind of thing. More your family life. And then your feed, you can kind of curate a little better. Yeah. <laughs> I love what you said a little bit earlier to circle back around about having these engaged followers versus just having the vanity metrics of higher numbers or more followers, I guess. Like I see a lot of times, and I'm sure you do too, that people are really discouraged because they feel like they don't have that many followers. They have a couple hundred, maybe less than a thousand. And they see these accounts that have thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands, whatever. And it's really discouraging. But I think that there is so much value in having those people that are actually interested. Like I was just looking at an account the other day, the person had almost 45,000 followers. And on each post that she was posting, there were like 50 likes. So it's like, A, I just want to throw it out there. A lot of people buy followers. So if you're not aware of that, if there people are listening and they don't know about that, a lot of times they're fake followers. <laughs> And B, it doesn't do anything for your brand. It doesn't do anything for your business if you're attracting people who don't really care. So having 45,000 followers doesn't do anything for you if nobody's liking your post, nobody's watching what you're doing. Oh, a thousand percent. And it's funny because I actually just shared an article on my Facebook group a couple... I, it was probably a couple weeks ago, but a few months back, there was this you know, young girl... Instagram girl that had like a million followers, I think. Like it was upwards of a million followers. And, but you know, she was kind of like showing, you, you can imagine what her pictures look like type of thing. Right? <laughs> I'm young, young, probably 20s, early 20s. And she started a clothing line and launched it on Instagram and didn't sell one thing with a million mm -hmm. followers. And it, it was like this big write up on, um, she was, she was in a couple places that I saw her, you know, she was upset about it. She didn't understand why no one, you know, it's like, well, obviously, you know, your followers are not following you for that. Right. <laughs> like, right. They're not interested in what you're offering. So either you have really unengaged followers or you are launching a product that is not in alignment with what your followers are wanting from you. Exactly. 
Well, thank you so much for being here today, Kristen. For anybody that is looking for more information about you or looking to check out your Instagram and see what you're doing over there, where can they find you? Um, yeah, you guys can find me at Kristen Bernie on Instagram, also on Facebook. And I do have a free Facebook community for female entrepreneurs called Creative as a Mother. Um, you can request to join that as well if you're interested. All right. That's great. And if you are looking for her on Instagram, Kristen is spelled K-R-I-S-T-Y-N. Yep, that's right. I've always tricked people with that one. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you again, Kristen, for being here today and for sharing all of your wisdom and experience with how you've grown your Etsy shop and how you've used Instagram to really interact with your customers. Thanks so much, Lauren. It was fun. I appreciate it.